Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or indeed Friday evenings on RTE Radio. Our show this week is kindly brought to you by Zoom, setting the standards for innovation in video communications online. We'll hear more about their current and future innovations later on in the podcast. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You're welcome to show number 919. I'm joined as always by our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson. Niall, as the world around us falls and tumbles into ever-escalating circles of war and fuels shortages and, and stock crashes and, and, and no money and inflation and recession. Yeah, it's a good time to be alive, isn't it? <laughs> I saw a video of that. It's a good time to be alive. And somebody had invented some flat thing that you would keep on your foot. And then when mm-hmm. you raise your foot up onto your knee, so you're crossing your legs, you can then lower this flap and there's a little hoop attached to it in which you can place your cup of coffee. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the comment on whoever it was on Facebook that had linked to it. They went, what a, what a great time to be alive. <laughs> Let me follow that man on on his Patreon or, or Kickstarter or whatever it is he's working on. Yeah. So anyways, kind of looking at what's been going on, we have been playing around with stuff. You have been playing around with stuff, which is super important what we're going to talk about because mm. we're, it's effectively where we're going to be talking about the circular economy and getting more out of devices that we know there's mm. absolutely not nothing wrong with them. It's just the, the zeitgeist or the, the, the technology has moved on. Because last week we, we mentioned the iPod. Uh, I'm still using my fifth generation iPod. It's still perfectly functioning. It's dated, but there's nothing wrong with it. If I was to still use it as a a music player, uh, and I occasionally do, that's fine. You know, keep using it. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't need to go out and buy a new music player if the if the one you have is still working. You know, don't feel like you you have to be you know prey to to fashion or something like that. Mm. Uh, similarly, if you, if you go down to um, any of the refurbished technology stores that are out there. Absolutely fine. Everything that they have is bought and rated and put back on sale so you know exactly what you're getting and that it has been tested. So I think this is something people are going to have to get a a lot more comfortable with, a lot more hip to. A lot of companies are making way in this space. There's companies like Vita. um, Dell have a program as well. And of course, Camara have been doing this for years. Just taking uh, computers that are, you know, old, you know, often perfectly usable, maybe doing them up uh, up a little bit, maybe add a bit more RAM, maybe change the hard drive uh, and put them back into circulation uh, for people that need it uh, more than the, the rest of us. Uh, and I know a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, we talked with Colin Baker about a similar um, thing being done with um, people coming to Ireland from Ukraine. Mm. So uh, there is so much room in the circular economy to work with. And I think, you know, on a personal level, we should sort of sit down and go, Jeepers, you know, okay, granted, uh, I have this laptop for five or six years and maybe it's running a bit slow, but maybe it's a bit slow because Windows 11 is a hog. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's a bit slow because all the things that I, uh, that I have on it already, maybe I don't need all of it. Yeah. So let's let's look at rebuilding things from the ground up, but only the things that we, we need. Let's marry condo our PCs. Only whatever sparks joy. That's what you've been up to. Uh, that's more or less kind of what I've been up to because I've bought some of those uh, old computers and, and generally it's for kind of stuff that I just need 
I need a computer to do one job, like to encode an audio stream or something like that. It's yeah. it's, it's not a huge thing for, for a, an older machine to do. So you just, as you say, add in a little bit of extra RAM or do whatever kind of, and, and when you buy it from these secondhand services, they do all that for you. Uh, and actually my my particular uh, machine of choice is the uh, is the Mac Mini. Because with the Intel processor, it, it runs Windows because, you know, I love Apple hardware, but I prefer Windows software. Sure do. Uh, and there's a, a thing called Tiny 10, if you look that up on the Internet. Um, and that is a stripped back version of Windows. They've taken everything out of it. And I mean everything out of it, all the damn bare bones operating system. You can download it uh, and you can run that on older machinery and stuff like that. But it kind of where, where I got started in all of this was a couple of weeks back or a couple of months back, maybe at this stage, uh, Google announced Chrome OS Flex. Hmm. So they have their, their Chrome OS. And for many years, people have been kind of going, yeah, you know, it's great. Like if you've an old bit of kit, just stick Chrome OS on it and off you go and blah, 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 blah. But it needed to be installed on, you know, kind of Google approved hardware and all kinds of system requirements. Mm. They brought in this yeah. Chrome OS Flex, which you can download and you can run it from a USB drive attached to whatever. <laughs> All right. 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 And actually, this is a handy thing to have if you wanted to have a, a USB key on your uh, key ring or something like that, because you can literally plug it into any computer and you mm. would be able to access all of your own accounts without leaving anything on the host computer. Mm. So I had a kind of a play around with that and I installed it. I had a really old laptop. Um. I don't know. It must, it must be eight years old. All right. Big old clunky thing, whatever. Um. And it was really, really slow. So I was just messing around with it. I did the Chrome OS Flex with the USB key and it worked really well, really well. Very fast, nice and nippy. But of course, there's nothing really on it hogging the system resources. Uh, and I was able to, like basically anything you can do with a Google browser, I was able to do with this thing. Yeah. And then I said, wow, this is amazing. I must actually fully install it. And this will just be the new Chromebook or whatever around the house. Wouldn't work. <laughs> oh really absolutely would not work whatever it had that it didn't like about it it wouldn't work so that's what I'm saying Chrome OS Flex is great if you want to have something on a USB that you can plug in and off you go and then you can try and install it if you want and if it works well and good if it doesn't work bleh, whatever but because okay. it didn't work it got me then looking at other OS systems hmm. so one of them was Linux because I haven't been playing around with the Linux in a long time Hmm. And I said, all right, yeah, we'll go for Ubuntu and da-da-da, whatever, you know, fairly standard stuff. And when I was doing my search, I came across this thing called Zorin OS, okay? Zorin. Sounds exotic, sounds Indian. Uh, that it, is the name of the villain in yes. A View to a Kill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was uh, Zorin Industries was all I could think of. It was a big air, <laughs> what's it called? <laughs> Airship kind of a thing with Zorin Industries on it. That was Christopher Walken, I think, who was the baddie, it was, wasn't it? I it think was. It was. So this is all I could think of, right? So I'm kind of, I'm <laughs> smiling, looking at the webpage. And then down at the bottom, it said, Made with Love. In Ireland. Cha-ching. Whoa. This deserves more looking at, okay? Mm -hmm. So I did a little bit of looking into it. And essentially, basically, it's two brothers uh, who are here in Ireland. Uh, when they were 12 and 14 years of age, I think it was, maybe 10, no, it's more than 10 years ago, 2008. 
They're just kids messing around on their computers, downloading Ubuntu, trying it out. They loved it. They showed it to their dad, who's actually quite good on computers, but he didn't like it. He didn't understand it. He thought it was a bit uh, clunky and hard. And da, da, da. So the two lads decide, do you know what? We should, you know, try and make our own version of this and make it better. Now, in 2008, there was no computer class in school. All they had to learn from was books, uh, a couple of blogs on the internet and maybe some YouTube videos, all right, Mm -hmm. which they did. And at 12 and 14 years of age, they released their first version of Zorin OS. And it's gone from strength to strength to strength. And when they got out of school, they went to Trinity and they studied whatever it was they studied. And now they're working at this full time and it's grown into a, a, a huge enterprise for them. And I just kind of, you know, a round of applause, stand up, uh, whatever. Uh, I think it was a brilliant story. I, I feel like such uh, uh, an underachiever right now. <laughs> No, we all have our own little thing. like, And that was that was their thing. And, and, and they went in and did it. So kind of I was very interested to see, well, how good is this thing? All right. Mm. Because they sell it very well. Um, and my review on it, I would say it's very easy to download. And the instructions for it, they have made super simple for you to be able to install this thing on, on your machine. I got it in like a second. Um, you can install it uh, or like the Chrome OS Flex that I was talking about, you can actually try it from USB. So you can just download it to a USB stick and then stick it in and just run it from that and mm. see what you think of it, okay? Um, one of the things that they tried to do with the software is they tried to make it look like your existing Windows or Mac. And yeah. you can choose whichever one it is that you're more used to. So after I installed it, again, looking at the OS and, and the user interface, Really familiar straight away. Really familiar straight away. Uh, and I was very, very happy with it. I thought it was a very, very nice uh, implementation. Um, the operating system was probably not as quick as expected, but I think that's because I downloaded the full version. Right. Um, and I was running on a fairly old machine. Uh, and what I did was I went back then and I downloaded like a light version of it. And I stuck that in and the machine is running around. Uh, no bother. And it's on this old laptop, funny enough, that I was talking about earlier. Uh, and literally after I played with it and was all installed and then, you know, of course, you know me, got bored, put it away. <laughs> all right. A week later, uh, somebody that, that we know needed a laptop uh, and just a loan of a laptop. And I said, well, look, take this. <laughs> all right. I said, yeah. it's, it's got a thing called Linux on it. It's a thing called Zorin OS, but, you know, you'll get it. And this was a non-techie person or a mm. seriously non-techie person. Uh, and they said, all right, well, look, I just need to update a document or something like that. So, yeah, that'd be brilliant. And off they went with it. And then a couple of weeks later, they said, look, I can drop this back to you. I said, look, I don't need the laptop. If you get another few months uh, work use out of it before having to buy a new one. And uh, he said, yeah, that'd be brilliant. So I think a win-win-win for uh, Zorin OX, or, or OS, pardon me, uh, and made with love in Ireland. If you want to check it out, it's, um, I can't remember, just a bit search. I'll, I'll, I'll search for the link and uh, I will stick it into the show notes. So there you go. Two things to try for uh, weekend projects. Find something old that's not related to you. I'm talking about machines, of course. Uh, and then try and install a Chrome OS Flex or Zorin OS. My tip of the week. Will you be doing that this weekend, Niall? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. No, Dusty, I think I, I, I'm going to be in the Aviva watching Leinster Hammer Monster once ah, again. Ah, 
there we go. There we go. Well, listen, you enjoy. Listen, that is it for uh, our little chat for this week. Now, thank you as always. Do remember, if you want to stay up to date on all things that are happening in tech in Ireland, you can get hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Zoom has gone from being a simple teleconferencing app to a global phenomenon evolving into a fully-fledged platform. This week, Niall Kitson spoke with advisor to the CIO, Magnus Falk, about how Zoom is moving with the times. Zoom has gone from this really interesting place, from being quite a a specialised video conferencing uh, app a couple of years ago, to becoming sort of the, the... the cornerstone of people's well-being toolkit, uh, if you will, during the pandemic. You know, it's it's occupied sort of also the, the corporate space, but the, the zeitgeist uh, of the last few years, uh, if you will. W- what's your take on this? I mean, you know, this must have been uh, completely out of left field for you guys. No, uh, hi, and thank you so much for the question. I mean, there's so much wrapped up into that question that I want to deal with on a couple of levels. The first is, the way that people found Zoom during the pandemic um, in the hundreds of millions was quite mind-blowing to us all at Zoom. It was extremely, and and I always struggle with this word humbling, but it did make us feel humble that so many people turned to us to help with their social lives, their education, continuing their, their businesses. And and our job was to really help um, uh, Eric Yuan, our founder, remove limits for free usage um, in in places that were struck first at, at, with schools. And this just allowed us to really be able to embrace, embrace that usage as people found Zoom to be able to support their lives. But the other thing you said, it's another angle to it, is that people came to Zoom and because they found it was the killer app for video. And I think what businesses are now finding is that Zoom is actually a platform that does way more than video. And that's quite an exciting next journey for Zoom as they realize it does telephony, that it supports their hybrid meetings because the Zoom rooms functionality in their meeting rooms is just so good. We also support events and people are building us into their, their into their own applications because we're so easy to integrate. So, no, I could I could speak for half an hour on that one question, but I won't to, to allow you to drill into anything that I've said. Well, you've raised an awful lot of points there about the kind of features that are that have been added to Zoom. Uh, one imagines that this, of course, is part of the, the pandemic cycle where so many people accelerated their product, um, their product um, roadmaps. So was this something that you found at your end that there were features already in train that got rolled out much, much quicker? Or was it the case of receiving so much feedback that you guys were like, okay, we have to introduce better security and we have to introduce whiteboards. We have to start replicating the corporate environment a lot more because people will be in the office a lot less. It's a fascinating question. We are very close to our customers because we get really direct feedback. Um, And 
the other nice thing is that the Zoom roadmap, we don't try and, you know, pretend that we know where we're going to be in two, three years because the feedback changes as people reinvent how they do business. Um, so, yes, we had a huge amount of feedback right up front that we needed to adapt our security for the new users that were using Zoom. I mean, we didn't build the product to be um, used in churches for um, Sunday service, but that's what it was used for. And the security that we implemented was implemented almost assuming you had an IT department. Now, the church didn't have its IT department. The people who volunteered to run the church ended up um, implementing Zoom out of the box and didn't know about all the security features. So we had to implement new features to help them, but also make sure we got the defaults right so that the the byproducts um, of people adopting the tool um, didn't happen again. We actually ended up making sure that everyone um, could use uh, our platform in a very safe and secure way. Now, that was one set of feedback around the new users that use Zoom. What we've then seen is that businesses have said, you know, all sorts of things around um, how their meetings are so much richer when they're all remote. They're using chat and they're using polls. They're using um, the whiteboarding functionality that you mentioned. They said, well, we want that to all work in our meeting rooms as well. So we've made sure that their meeting rooms can operate with those features switched on. So you can have companion modes where, so you can contribute to the poll even while you're in a meeting room. You can contribute to the chat even while you're in the meeting room. And also we've introduced a thing, now I don't know if you've seen it called smart galleries, that the Zoom detects the, that there are faces. It doesn't know who you are, but it knows that you've got the outline of a human and it uses AI to make sure that it tracks you in the meeting room and puts you as a stream as big as the virtual participants into the gallery view. So you don't get the situation where the chairman in the boardroom is ant size and the CFO who's sitting at home is massive on the screen. That's never good. That's a really interesting dynamic to create there. And I, and I imagine it democratizes meetings a lot more if you're able to change that social dynamic to, to create that sort of level playing field and, and remove that sort of hierarchy. Well, it, it's interesting you raise that point because right from the word go, when um, the whole world started doing uh, virtual interactions as their core collaboration activity, because they were forced to by moving to their office their home offices their kitchens their dining rooms the feedback was that work had become more democratized and we see that that people going back to an office are surprised at the height and size of people that they've been talking to online because actually everyone online is the same size and shape um but actually you know, big people can dominate in meeting rooms. People can have different presence when they have physically. So we did get a huge amount of feedback that um, our platform democratised meetings. And yes, we want to make sure that continues um, so that meetings across virtual and physical interactions continue to be able to um, make the best of, of the collaboration rather than putting any type of barriers in the way. 
Um, and I think we're going to see the situation where any interaction in the future needs to be able to enable hybrid working because flexible work styles are now dominating. I think if you're an employer and you don't offer flexible working, you'll find your staff go off and find someone who does. And so as a consequence, it's going to be really tough to schedule all virtual or all physical meetings. There's always going to be some risk of a blend of them or just the design of a blend of them. So the organizations we're working, our fabulous clients are really embracing our platform to make sure that every one of their interactions can be fabulous um, in a hybrid setting. That idea of making uh, interactions fabulous, that there must be a tremendous investment in user experience and customer uh, experience. Uh, How is that conversation being managed between sort of the, the feedback loop from the user through to you guys, through to product development? You know, where does UX sit in this? Well, uh, you know, it's, I'm really pleased you talked about UX because, you know, they're really a couple of layers to that discussion. The first is our own UX, where you're using Zoom as employee. I'm going to skip over that because you, that's pretty straightforward that our product designers are in meetings with our, our customers all the time and, and getting feedback. But I think the interesting place is that actually our customers are finding that the Zoom platform integrates into their own apps really well. Um, you know, we've got a developer toolkits, APIs, SDKs, a developer community, all the things that you need. And, and actually what they're working out now is how you incorporate video in their existing services to make them as good as they can be, but also how they are inventing new services because unified communication activity is now possible and they don't have to build it themselves or you know or it, it's in, or it, it's not in any way difficult or in fact the consumer is really demanding it so people are inventing new ways of doing business and I'm really happy to cover a few examples if you want that yeah please do I mean so I mean healthcare is a really good example and and it's quite interesting that there is a kind of backdrop of political debate where, you know, I think there is some kind of pressure that clinicians should see people in in person. But actually what the the clinicians and the technologists supporting the clinicians are telling us is that the patients actually want a range of choices. And actually they want pathways that are quite different from the traditional pathway of turn up an appointment and be put in a waiting room and be late and all that type of stuff. And what they're saying is that you're actually that first stage of triage where you know something's wrong and you need to see a doctor. You've got probably pretty strong clue what it is. Much of the diagnosis can be done online. And we're working with some particularly forward-thinking um, Uh, clinical organizations that are actually sending remote diagnosis kits out to their their, um, patients. And those include things like a heart monitor that can put the heart monitor sound into the video meeting. So actually the clinician is listening 
to the heart monitor as applied to the you know to the chest of the patient so most parents will will recognize this scenario that you have a screaming child at home there's something clearly wrong you think you know what it is you make a booking emergency booking it's a few maybe it's an hour out but maybe it's a day out you're having to deal with that child comes the time of the appointment you have to bundle them in the car that's awful you have to take them to a waiting room you have to wait there that's awful you know, then suddenly your moment comes and you go into the doctor and by that stage they're distracted by something so they're no longer you know, showing the symptoms because they're in a different place meeting a different person. And you know, maybe you get the right diagnosis as a consequence of that, but then you have to bundle them back and go through the process in reverse. It's a horrible user experience. And as a parent, you're really worried at the moment. Now, if you could book a slot where you know within the next few hours someone will call you and then when you're on that video call with the with the um, clinician you can show the heart monitor you can show the image in their ear because you know there's a special fitting on the heart monitor device that allows the video from the ear to be shown into the meeting that you've got a tongue depressor that allows the clinician to look in the throat of your child, um, your uh, blood saturation, so they can get those statistics. So they're getting all those statistics, all the diagnosis tools that they would use in their surgery are now available for the patient to put over. Now the clinician can decide, I do need to see you, or can hit a button and, and make sure that prescription drugs arrive at your house by all these delivery services, or say, actually, uh, you need to go to hospital, you know, um, to put down a pathway. It's such a better um, experience for that patient. Um, I know as when I was having young children, mine are all grown up now, but that's what I would vote for. And that's the sort of innovation that we see companies in this one particular healthcare, but, you know, you can talk about legal profession, banking, um, selling houses, selling cars, selling anything with you know remote demos, all they're being reinvented slightly around how you use unified communications in the delivery of that new new well, the business line that appends to the other business lines that you traditionally did. Suppose to to wrap up then uh, on that subject of opening up Zoom for integration and other people's applications. Um, This is something that's very much being proposed uh, under the Digital Services Act by the uh, EU. Um, It sounds like Zoom is pretty much in line with with what's required there. Um, Is this very much part of uh, Zoom's philosophy at this stage to to make sure platforms are open, to make sure you're putting sort of the, the application in other people's hands? We want to be a platform that is really easy to integrate into other platforms. Now, yes, of course, we are continuing to expand our functionality because that's what our customers are telling us that they want. But we want to make sure that our APIs can be called from anyone else's application, be it a commercial application, be it a, um, a, a, you know, a the customer's own application. We also open for putting third-party functionality into Zoom using Zoom apps. I mean, there's a fabulous implementation of that um, just being released by DocuSign, where they've launched a Zoom app 
that allows you to sign a document in the meeting. Not not sharing any screens or doing anything fiddly. You're literally reviewing the document in the meeting with someone. You're seeing them, you're talking through. If you're both happy with the document, you both hit the sign button and you're done. You know, you both got an electronic copy of the document. Um, I would argue that's a better experience than actually sitting side by side with someone and signing. And that was Magnus Falk, advisor to the CIO at Zoom, chatting with Niall Kitson. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, as always, take care, have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download Download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.